1: The host of Heart to Heart with Anna. This is the last episode of Season 7 of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season has been congenital heart defects around the globe, and today's show is CHDs Around the Globe Brazil. This is so exciting for me. We have had so much fun traveling all around the world and talking to members of the congenital heart defect community from all over. So here we are in South America. This is where we're ending up today's show and today's season. Gabriel Santana was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil in 1988 with hypoplastic right single ventricle, ventricular septal defect, and a heart murmur. At first, the doctors thought Gabriel only had a heart murmur and sent him home. After almost a year, Gabriel's condition worsened as he developed pneumonia and started experiencing fluid in a sac around his heart. Doctors then diagnosed his heart condition, and he went into the care of Dr. Egito at Hospital do Corazón, or the Hospital of Hearts in Sao Paulo. He spent the majority of his first five years in the hospital, having his first surgery at only one year of age, and then another at two. After the age of five, Gabriel was able to start having a more normal life. At ten, Gabriel's family moved to Las Vegas. In 2011, he had his third open-heart surgery. Gabe is now 27 years old and has just been diagnosed with protein myopathy, so his story is far from over. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Gabriel.
2: Hello. Thank you for having
1: me. I'm so excited to be talking to you. And Gabriel and I are going to get to know each other a lot better, not just through the radio show, but Gabriel is also taking part in a book project that I'm working on looking at single ventricle long-term survivors, and you're certainly qualified for that, Gabriel, aren't you?
2: (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) Alba. Well,
1: I was so surprised to see that you left Brazil to go to Las Vegas, but it seems like you have family here in the United States. Why don't you tell me about why you came to the United States and why Las Vegas?
2: When my parents got divorced, my mother decided to move to the U.S. to be with her family So, my sister and I shortly after followed her, and we've been here ever since.
1: Well, how do you like the United States? This must be so different than Brazil.
2: It is very different, and I love it. It's my home now. I've been here most of my life at this point, and it's fun. I enjoy it very much.
1: Do you still go home to Brazil to visit with other family members?
2: I have not. I'm trying to go back this December.
1: Oh, well, that'll be a beautiful time of year for you to go.
2: It will be.
1: So, Gabriel, you said you had your first two surgeries in the first two years of your life, and they were both in Brazil. And I just found out before the show that you're actually related to your doctor. I'm sure you don't remember anything about those surgeries, but... Have you talked to your parents about those surgeries? What do you know about those first two surgeries?
2: I guess the first surgery was so traumatizing, I do remember. It was very scary. I remember going into surgery and being in the elevator and begging my mom to not let me go. And she was trying her best to hold her tears back. And then the nurse turned to my Mom and said, okay, you're not allowed to step out the elevator. And they rolled me out, and I kept looking back, just crying and screaming for my mom.
1: Oh, how devastating. And you remember that, even though you were such a little guy. That is so sad. That must have been heartbreaking for your mother.
2: It was, I can tell. I can still remember as if it happened yesterday.
1: Wow, but it seems like, since you are still with us... That doctor did an awesome job with you. What surgeries did you have that first and second year of your life?
2: The first surgery was pretty much a pre-surgery to my big surgery. That's as far as I really know about it. It was just to get things started to the main surgery that it needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And then the second surgery was about a year later, and that was the main surgery. And I know that was like about... If I remember my mom telling me correctly, it was about fourteen hour long surgery. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's a long surgery.
2: Yes.
1: Your poor mother. <laughs> so
2: oh, yes.
1: My son's surgery was eight hours and that was torture for me. I can't imagine it being almost twice as long. That's amazing. Now my son had for his first surgery it was a modified blalock toxic shunt have those terms been thrown at you before? Do you think that might no. be surgeries? No. i uh, so Okay, so you had something possibly totally different. And who knows what they call it in Brazil. <laughs>
2: Maybe Definitely.
1: Totally different. So, Gabriel, what do you think has been the biggest challenge that your mother faced moving here from Brazil and trying to establish health care for you? It was actually very difficult at first. I didn't have... a any
2: care of doctor for many years because we just couldn't afford it it was unreasonable the cost of medical it was so it was very difficult i didn't get to see a doctor until i was 21 and i had a job that gave me medical
1: wow You were 21 before, so you went from 10 to 21, you went 11 years without seeing a cardiologist on a regular basis?
2: That is correct.
1: Oh my goodness. Now, were you on medication at that time?
2: time? I was at first, when I first moved to the U.S., I I would go to a clinic and they would fill up my prescription. But after a while, they just wouldn't give me the prescriptions anymore. But thankfully, I didn't need the prescriptions anymore. I didn't know that I didn't need them anymore, but I didn't. So that was very lucky of me.
1: That was. Oh, my gosh. I have gone 11 years and to not even be on the medication. So you never had a stroke. You never had anything bad happen in those 11 years.
2: No, actually, my health was amazing. I forgot that I was a heart patient. The only thing that I had was the memories of me being in the hospital and the scar on my chest. Otherwise, I felt like a normal teenager.
1: Wow. (laughs) That is just amazing. I love that story. I mean, that is great that you really pretty much grew up without... Feeling labeled, without feeling any restrictions on yourself, were you able to play sports?
2: When I was a kid, they told me I wasn't allowed to play sports. They only told me that I was allowed to do a swim, which, unfortunately, I'm not good at it at all. So I never pursued that. But now as an adult, my doctors encouraged me to go to the gym and be active. They asked me to know my limits, which living a whole life with this heart condition, I know my limits very well, and I know my body very well, so that's a plus. But yeah, I try to be as active as possible now. Unfortunately, that wasn't something I could do as a kid. You know, the belief that we had back in the early 90s of heart condition and the belief that we have now is very different, and I can see it every day. Because back then, you weren't allowed to eat certain things. You weren't allowed to exercise. You were pretty much supposed to be like a couch potato for the most part and eat healthy. And now, they kind of have a little bit of a different point of view. They want you to be active. And I'm enjoying it because now I'm being able to be, I guess, a grown child again.
1: (laughs) That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Gabriel a little bit more about his health today. We'll find out a little bit more about how he's staying active and also what he does here in the United States
0: when we come back after this brief commercial break. The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more.
1: Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is CHD's Around the Globe Brazil, And we're talking with Gabriel Santana. Gabriel originally grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil, with a single ventricle heart. And he was born in 1988 and had two surgeries in Brazil before relocating to the United States. So, Gabriel, you were 10 years old before you moved to the United States. And you have informed me that they speak Portuguese in Brazil. So, did you grow up learning Portuguese and English? Or did you not learn English until you moved to the United States? States.
2: When I moved to the United States, I didn't know very much English. I only knew a few words here and there. I knew thank you. I knew my colors. I knew little things. And my teachers didn't know how to speak to me and how to communicate with me. So they would speak to me actually in Spanish. Oh, no. So technically, I ended up learning Spanish before English.
1: (laughs) At least Spanish is more related to Portuguese and English, right?
2: Ex- exactly, and they figure, well, once he knows Spanish, then we can actually communicate with him, but, and we can teach <laughs> him English. Oh so. my goodness! What a change hey, for you!
1: <laughs> at least, at
2: least I got to learn a third language, right?
1: Right. Wow. Wow. What a challenge. And, you know, things were different back in the 90s. They didn't have ESL programs back then the way they do now. So were you mainstreamed or were you actually pulled out to learn first Spanish and then English?
2: Oh, no. I had ESL classes, thankfully. And so that was very helpful,
1: well, 10, you're about fifth grade, right? Were you actually yes. in a fifth grade classroom? So, were you in the classroom with the other children for the most part, learning your mathematics, learning geography, or whatever it was that they were teaching in English? And then were you pulled out for ESL, or did you spend your whole time in an ESL classroom?
2: No, I actually had normal classes with everybody else. When it came time for an English class, that's when they would pull a group of us out and we would go with the ESL teacher.
1: So it was an immersion technique, really.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
1: Wow. Well, your English is excellent, so they did a good job with you.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much.
1: Well, I'm so happy to hear that you love it here in the United States and that you consider this your home. So what is it that you do here in the United States? What is your profession right now?
2: I am a hairstylist.
1: Well, that's really cool. So, do you work in a salon?
2: I do. Actually, I do work at a salon just down the street from my house, which is very convenient.
1: Well, that's pretty tiresome. You have to have your arms lifted all the time, and you're on your feet all day long. You're able to do that with a single ventricle heart?
2: I am, thankfully. But yeah, it's tiresome at days. Principally when we are very busy, but it's it's very rewarding. I like it. I enjoy it very much. It's nice.
1: So what is your favorite thing to do? Are you a colorist? Do you like to do paint?
2: I love to do color. It's exciting to see the transformation.
1: It is. You know what? It's exciting when you experiment with something new and it comes out looking great. I am normally a brunette, but after... Both of the kids were gone, and we had a little bit more money because we weren't putting out so much money for (laughs) class tutors or what have you. I went red, and I love it, and I can't imagine ever doing anything else now. (laughs) Right. Alex, my son, who has a single ventricle heart as well, is experimenting with color right now, Gabriel. He has tips of his hair red. That's pretty cool. So do you experiment with color on yourself or do you just like doing it on other people?
2: Definitely. I have had almost every color in my hair that you can think of.
1: <laughs> well, that's really neat. Now, do you go to shows and actually display some of your work? I know that there are actually fashion shows for salon stylists, aren't there? Yes, I've gone to a couple of shows. I haven't actually done any work for them yet.
2: But I usually just go to watch. You know, you can get all kinds of fun ideas from seeing what other people
1: doing. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I love it when my stylist tells me things that she has done. And she has told me about going to some of the different shows and the ideas that she comes back with. And every time I see my stylist, since I only see her once every six to eight weeks, her hair looks different. Do you change yours fairly frequently as well?
2: I do. I give, <laughs> I have what I call hair ADD.
1: <laughs> I love it. Hair ADD. <laughs> yes. Oh, so what kind of style are you sporting right now, Gabriel?
2: Right now I have a mohawk.
1: Oh, do you really? I have a friend in Germany, and they're planning on moving here soon. Her son has a mohawk, and he has actually dyed it rainbow shade. It's amazing to look at it. But she calls him her rainbow baby because he really is a rainbow baby. She lost a child to a congenital heart defect, and this is her second child. This is her rainbow baby, and his hair is rainbow colored.
2: That's cute. (laughs) Cute.
1: It's pretty amazing. So you're sporting a mohawk. That seems to be fairly common right now. What do you think about the hairstyles as they come and go in fashion? I realize that right now the hairstyles are
2: becoming a lot older hairstyles from back around World War II. I'm starting to realize that they're coming back principally for men. Huh. And I think that is very interesting.
1: That is interesting from World War II. So are you also seeing young men getting very, I don't know, what we would consider maybe happy days type hairstyles as well, where they look very prim and proper, or is it mostly? It's like different- it's more of a modern twist to it. Okay. So it's a little different. The basic
2: of it, it's very much like that. So it's kind of interesting to see how the world just makes itself around. You know, everything <laughs> comes back.
1: Right. What's old is new again. It's pretty exactly. cool. Well, let's talk about your health and about the health care. You said once you were 21 that then you had your own job and that you started to have your own health care. So tell me about your cardiologist. Do you actually see a cardiologist who specializes in the care of adults with congenital heart disease?
2: Oh, well, I have two cardiologists. One, he mainly does children. He is Dr. Rollins at the Children's Heart Center here in Nevada, and he's amazing. He was the first cardiologist I saw here, well, actually, technically the second, until they told me that adult cardiologists don't look at people with my kind of heart condition. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing him for a long time. After a while, he advised me to start seeing Dr. Wearden because he does more adult cardiologists. So I see him. So I go back and forth. Every six months, I see Dr. Rollins. Every six months, I see Dr. wearden So every three months, I'm in the office seeing somebody. <laughs>
1: I love that, because it just amazes me, the dedication that I see from these pediatric cardiologists. They don't want to let go of you guys after you grow up. You know that, right? You become they like
2: family. <laughs> they don't.
1: And they become like our family, don't you think?
2: They do. They do, uh, definitely. It's an interesting relationship that you have and a connection that you have with your doctors, at least for me it is. I sometimes, when I'm thinking of doing something really stupid, because I'm still in my 20s, so I'm still going through that phase, I don't only hear my parents' voice in my head, but I hear my doctor's voices <laughs> in my head. <laughs>
1: I love that. That's just awesome. Well, we need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, friends, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Gabriel about his future and whether or not he plans to return to Brazil. We just found out earlier, maybe in December, but we're going to delve into that a little bit deeper and find out what we can learn from his experiences in having surgeries abroad and here in the United
0: States. We'll be right back. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today.
1: Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is congenital heart defects around the globe, Brazil, and our guest is Gabriel Santana. He was born with a single ventricle heart in 1988 and had two surgeries in Brazil before relocating to the United States. I've had so much fun getting to know you, Gabriel. This has been a lot of fun, but... Let's talk about your new diagnosis. You have protein myopathy. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you expect that to impact your future?
2: It was a little scary being told that, principally since. Yet again, I tend to always get the most rare kind of thing possible when it comes to my heart. I had been getting sick, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I had this weird sentence, and my doctor said, well, it seems like... You have protein myopathy, but your protein is just, it's not low enough to be diagnosed as that. Well, one day I got really sick and they had to admit me, have me in the ICU for a couple of days. And when I got out, my doctor officially diagnosed me with protein myopathy. It was kind of scary hearing it because we had talked about that this is something I don't want to get because it means that my Body is not retaining the protein that I'm eating properly, so it's just getting rid of it. And even okay. though my heart is completely fine, uh, actually, it's better than fine, I still have this condition that is common on people that have my kind of heart condition.
1: Gabriel, is what you have also known as protein losing enteropathy?
2: Yes, I think so. Okay.
1: Okay, because that's what I've more commonly heard it referred to, is protein-losing enteropathy, or PLE. And I've actually had a number of friends whose children have had PLE. It is very scary. It seems like there are still more questions about PLE than there are answers to PLE. So what have your doctors decided to do to combat this problem?
2: Right now, I am on steroids once a day. And I am on ferrosamide. But those medications, they pretty much just cover the symptoms of it. There is nothing that they can fix with medication. So they're just trying to cover up the symptoms so I can live a normal life as long as possible with this condition.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's pretty scary they do have some research i believe going on at children's hospital of philadelphia i know that one of my friends has actually traveled to chops to meet with the doctors there and to find out what they're doing there so i'm gonna put you in touch with that dad later
2: (laughs) oh please thank (laughs) you
1: because he's brilliant and he's been doing so much research to try and help his son as well. We want you to live a long and happy life, and PLE can get in play of that. That's a real problem. It seems like you're able to control it enough now that you're still able to work full-time. Is that right? Yes. Well, that's good. That's yes. good. And it sounds like you're staying on top of it, which is also good, because this is something that you don't want to be lost to follow-up care, because it could have really disastrous results isn't that true
2: yes it can
1: i should say disastrous consequences because You're i know right. that I had, I had a friend whose child passed away and it all started with the ple it caused the child to have major problems and then the child got a heart transplant because they were hoping a transplant would take care of the ple and it didn't
2: yeah, that's what I think it scares me most about it, is that my doctor said that it's not a guarantee that will go away after the transplant. He yeah. said that eventually, when it gets bad enough, I will have to get one, but it's not okay. a guaranteed thing.
1: Right. Let's hope that they come up with something in the meantime that will help you and will take care of that and maybe not require a heart transplant. Let's talk about something happier because this, this is anxiety inducing (laughs) I like to think about bad things happening to you Gabriel, I've become attached to you already (laughs) Oh. so let's talk about something happier let's talk about you possibly going to Brazil you said you might be going in December, tell us what you're thinking about doing there
2: right, I still have a lot of family down there so I haven't been there in 17 years now, wow so I really want to go and visit and see some of my family I'm very excited about it so I'm trying to work everything out so I can actually go down there but yeah that will be really really fun I can't wait can't wait
1: do you still speak Portuguese
2: I do very broken and according to everybody that I run into that is from Brazil, here in the U.S., they're like, you have an American accent. <laughs> I'm like, great. I can't, I can't lose. I have, I have an accent in Spanish. I have an accent in English. I have an accent in my own native tongue now. Like, great.
1: Uh, but it's delightful. I, l- I love your accent. It sounds okay. great to me. Thank you. So what advice do you have for others who live in Brazil right now who might have children with congenital heart defects? What do you think are the most important lessons you've learned from having a heart defect and living in Brazil and now living here in the United States?
2: You know, I was very, very lucky because most people in Brazil don't get to have the medical care that I had. Most people out there have to rely on the public hospitals which is not very good, unfortunately. And doctors don't seem to really care very much about their patients. I hear that over and over, and I see little news feeds that my family will put on Facebook. And it's very scary to think that if I wasn't lucky enough to have a family member that was a cardiologist in Brazil, I would most likely not be here today because of the way that they have their medical set up. I don't know. It's scary to think about it. It's very scary. All I have to say is I wish you the best of luck, and I hope that God be with you to this horrible, tough time.
1: Well, do you have any advice for, like, How would somebody go about seeing someone like your relative if they're afraid that their child has a heart defect? How would they see a cardiologist?
2: They have cardiologists in public hospitals. Unfortunately, there's always a waiting list. And then when they do tell you that you have surgery, there's a waiting list for that. And unfortunately, it's very common that down there, by the time you your time is up on the waiting list, unfortunately, you're no longer with us. I do know that there are some private hospitals like mine that occasionally does pro bono work. I thankfully was a pro bono. They did all my surgeries pro bono. And occasionally they do that. But again, you have to be very lucky for them to do it.
1: Wow. Wow, so it seems to me, Gabriel, that God has a special plan for you.
2: Uh, apparently so. I'm still trying to figure it out, but...
1: <laughs> Maybe it's to bring a little more color into our world. What do you think, Gabriel? Right.
2: <laughs> Maybe. Who knows?
1: Well, I'm so glad that you were spared and that you had the right relative and the right place to do this for you so that you can be here with us today.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: Well, thank you for sharing your story with us, Gabriel. It's been a lot of fun.
2: Thank you. It's my pleasure.
1: Well, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna and Season 7 of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. We're going to be taking a little time off between Season 7 and 8, but we'll have encore presentations for you during the month of May. Please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blood Talk Radio and Spreaker and help us by sharing this radio show with others. We know that congenital heart defects touch people all over the globe, but remember, my friends, you are not alone.
0: Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host Anna Jaworski can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.